hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. On today's podcast, we have Maxi Mackie Garcia. Maxi is a YouTube, Instagram blogger, uh, and makeup consultant expert. Uh, you can follow her at Maxi Mackie Million. That's her YouTube and her Instagram. Um, Maxi is also a friend of mine from high school. And she's here today to share us about her perspectives and uh, her, her, her insight into being a transgender female. Um, you know, once again, we were just so thankful to have her on the show today uh, and, and just really, you know, I have so much uh, respect and, and appreciation of, of, of her. So be sure to check her stuff out. It's uh, uh, once again, that's Maxi Macmillan. As for our show, I'm probably wrong about everything. Please subscribe, like, comment, dislike, whatever you got to do, uh, and share this with uh, with your friends and family. So, hope you enjoy the show, and thank you for listening. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind, and you're listening to I'm probably wrong about everything. All right, we got Maxi here. We're all set up. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I want to thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, this show is called "I'm Probably Wrong About Everything," and, and <laughs> I think in life, you know, we make certain assumptions about things that we're not the best people to speak on. And uh, I, I think I first met you was it 12 years ago? And you, you weren't Maxi. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So when we met, I was in high school. Mm -hmm. We were in high school. I think we were in the same grade. If I'm, yeah. Yeah. We were in the same grade. Actually, I was uh, a so year older. You, I dated Brittany Hogard. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I met you through her. And I was so, like, yeah. I was like, this guy is awesome, man. Cause you were so <laughs> confident in who you were. At least that's yeah. that's what I saw. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I identified as um, gay back then, mm -hmm. um, homosexual male. I was one of the few who were out in our grade. I think there was only myself and another kid named Reese. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we were the only ones in our grade that were openly gay. We bonded. So everyone knew who we kind of were. I mean, it's funny when that happens because then people kind of take interest in you so a lot of the girls you know became our friends and that was nice to have a circle that supported us and whatnot so yeah you met me when I was identifying as a male or a very androgynous queer individual back then in high school um, and then once I graduated once I turned 23 that's when I started my transition into a woman female so yeah so people talk about things like, is it, is it gender dysmorphia or is it gender dys, dysphoria? What's the correct term? So dysmorphia is, I think, more towards your biology, like your makeup, 
dysphoria is like a distaste in life in general Mm. um you know or just like the unwillingness to keep going sort of thing so if you think about it they kind of do both go hand in hand with someone struggling with their gender identity because how can I move forward you know that's like the will to live like with not feeling like my true self so dysmorphia comes with my body doesn't match my internal you know self so that's where dysmorphia comes it's like how can I alter my body to feel more representative of the way I feel you know so now um when how old were you when you you realized that you know wait a minute this this isn't who I am so growing up uh I grew up in the Philippines um and we were a very Catholic household so I didn't really get introduced to gender or the talk of gender in particular until elementary school, right? So when I was younger, I just was me. I was just mm. attracted to very feminine things, very um, girly things. I was a very frail child. So <laughs> people always misgendered me as I grew up. That being said, I, I enjoyed watching very female centric cartoons and um, you know, dress up and makeup. And once I got to know girls that were my our na- neighbors, and I started to realize they had dolls and stuff. And I was being told to play with, you know, cars and all these things. That's when I started to realize, okay, what is it? The, the lines are getting blurred now, you know. But you know, as a child, you don't really understand yet until people really start pulling you and veering you in a certain direction. So once I started realizing my parents thought I had a crush on a female neighbor and that's why I was always over, you know, they're like, Oh, that's cute. You know, really I was there trading my boy toys for her girl toys. And I was just, you know, bartering because yeah. yeah, I wasn't allowed to play with dolls and whatnot. And so that was my way. That was my escape to like enjoy that side. Um, so in fourth grade, I think that's when the, I, I was teased at a very young age. Um, We never really discussed what sexuality was or homosexuality at home. It was kind of a topic that was avoided. So when I was being teased as I was growing up, I was very confused. Like, what is gay? Why are they calling me this? You know? And and this was in the Philippines? (laughs) This was in the Philippines. Yeah. So I grew up in an all boys Catholic school. And yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So fourth grade comes and they start talking about puberty and how your body matures and whatnot. And I was under the assumption, you know, that I would get to choose at some point, just like your video games where, you know, choose your character, build your character. And I had this idea that I would be like this very effeminate, like Sailor Moon type character. But once they started breaking it down, puberty is going to happen. You're going to get this and this and this. You have no choice. Yeah, and I was just right. like shell shocked. It was like my life is over. Like this is horrendous. Um, but at that point, once I realized what and understood what um, being homosexual was, I thought that was the uh, the only alternative to who I was because I already knew I was different at that point. You know, being told to do a certain thing or you know like certain things and knowing I didn't like those things. I already knew I was different. Um, so by default, I just assumed, okay, well, I guess I'm homosexual then. 
because I'm clearly not heterosexual. <laughs> and so I aligned with that until later on in life when I got introduced to the concept and the idea of what trans is or being transgender and the realization that you can live as your preferred gender. Um, but again, that took a lot of years of understanding, research, and also kind of hiding it. Yeah, this this wasn't like an overnight decision. No, yeah. Right? No, so, you, you wrestle with the idea, you, especially, um, you know, the older generations up until now are mil the mil millennials. Like, we didn't have as much education put out or materials or tools to really fully understand what it is to undergo all these things or what steps to really even go with to start a transition. You're, there's no outline, right? Um, so back then it was a matter of really finding out through the gay scene or the gay community here in Canada as they started partying or running into, you know, uh, trans females who just so happen to be also in the scene who may be sex workers or whatnot, who kind of educate you. So it was being hands-on that I was able right. to understand what trans was and like get to know real people. But I was also using the online world as a means to also educate. So finding people in forums yeah youtube the community like, opens up right 100 percent. yeah and then sharing their experiences and sharing how they felt and kind of recognizing the same feelings with my own kind of self my journey and re recognizing that wow this is very similar i think this is definitely the route that i need to go to live as free as i can and as authentic as i can so you 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 make a very interesting point there maxi is that I mean, I can't imagine uh, identifying as a woman, um, but being in a, you know, in a male body, but I imagine that you'd feel like there's not a whole lot of people out there. So when you, you, yeah. you get onto the internet, you're like, oh my God, there's more than just like, there's a community here. Yeah. Has there been uh, like a growth in the trans community since, you know, the, the, the usage of internet and, and social media? Definitely, um, especially now with a lot of um, trans individuals transitioning sooner than later. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I was just starting to realize I was, um, once I started to realize there was a possibility for me to transition, uh, finding YouTubers like Gigi Gorgeous or this model, Andrea Pajic, who transitioned during her um, fashion modeling career she kind of opened up a lot of doors in my brain to realize it's possible to be in the public eye and be like you know respected and so that was a launch pad into me realizing I can live the way I am you know the way I want to be and so for me and my platform now with social media and also being open about my journey it however way I can touch society you know that's kind of a bonus because you never know like that 500,000 viewed video has garnered some, you know, people messaging, telling me, you know, Oh, you're such an inspiration. I didn't realize it, you know, it could be possible, but now I really want to start transitioning and so on and so forth. Like, how do I get started? And, you know, I wish I was, you know, I had someone to really fully mm -hmm. 
you know, interact with or ask, but all I had were people to somewhat look up to. Um, so now for the younger generation, I think they're definitely more well-equipped to, you know, embrace and have more respect and like really just make it seem normal because it should be normal. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Well, and, and that's one thing that I've noticed uh, and, and kind of a common theme in, in some of my discussions is that a lot of us are afraid to have these conversations because we don't want to offend people. And if we offend people, yeah. then we're a bigot, right? Yeah. So, and again, that's why I want to thank you on here because um, you're very candid in us talking and you're very open and you're taking, you know, you're, I'm asking these questions and, you know, obviously I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you're like, yeah, yeah bring it on. Right. So, yeah. you know, that is, uh, that's courage, you know? Well, yeah, I feel despite being a person of color, despite being mm -hmm. a minority through and through with being transgender, I still also do recognize I have my own privileges, you know, right. being able to pass socially and weave through society, you know, as a female, no one doubts that that's a privilege. We call it passing privilege in the trans community. So for me, I take can, that. Can you, sorry, can you say it again? Passing privilege? Yeah, it's called passing privilege. Okay. And that's when you when you identify as a different gender and you pass or you come across as that gender fully, mm -hmm. that's a privilege, you know. And not every trans female or male can evoke or project physicality of the gender that they choose. Oh, can, okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of, you know, trans people will undergo transgender affirming surgeries such as sexual reassignment for their genitals or, mm -hmm. you know, facial feminization for trans men, um, top surgery or binders and such. So, yeah. Well, and, and, and again, I mean, obviously in us talking, uh, somebody who is trans and to, you know, the listeners, you, you know, you don't just walk up and ask people these questions. You have to develop a, no. a relationship, obviously, 100%. a trust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the way I cater our physicality as well, and I, I know you've watched Disclosure mm -hmm. um, on Netflix, and you've seen the progression of how trans interviews were. Yeah. Always a point of topic was, how do you keep it? How do you hide it? What surgeries yeah. have you gotten? To now really avoiding that and just respecting the individual and just talking about why they're there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. If I'm sitting across from you, you're not just, I'm not just going to ask you about, you know, what appendages or whatnot. You yeah. Have. yeah and right. It's like weird. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why questioning someone's body or genitals or what they've done, it's kind of diminishing them and their value to nothing but a second rate human being because mm that's where privilege also shows the fact that you can speak down or talk down to someone in regards, you know? Well, one thing that I, and, um, and I'm going back to when I first met you, but when, when you were uh, a gay male, mm -hmm. I was like this, I, I admired you. I was like, this guy is the bravest person. One of the most bravest people I've ever met. They're in high school, which is, you know, can be fucking brutal, for yeah. lack of a better word. And you're just like, this is who I am. And you yeah. didn't shirk from it. You like leaned into it and you were like, you were proud. 
And 100%, yeah. for me as an insecure teenage boy, you know, I was like, man, I wish I had that level of confidence in just who I was as a person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Forget about, you know, the, uh, the homosexuality, gender. It's just who you yeah. are as a person. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's impressive. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think it stems from, um, you know, growing up and feeling hopeless and helpless. Mm. And it's almost like once you reach rock bottom, what do you do? Where do you go? It's kind of like fight or flight. Do I just stay miserable and stay in a dark hole? Or do I try and deflect as much as I can and just keep going? You know, and so for me, that was my badge. And that was my armor. It's like, you know, you can call me your name, call me names, tease me, whatever. At the end of the day, I'm on freaking honor roll. I'm, a, you know, I'm in varsity volleyball. I'm getting MVP. So despite knowing that people had, you know, ideas or um, would secretly talk behind my back, I felt good knowing I was still better at certain things and I was going to thrive no matter what. So it, it was more of like me staying focused and looking into myself as opposed to really caring or taking people's opinions to heart. Right. You know, yeah. Cause there's only so much you can do. Yeah. If, some, if someone's going to tease and tease and I've, I've grown up being teased, you know? So at that point, my skin has gotten much thicker and I, you know, I'm just like, yeah. And well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that's where it, Yeah. And, and, and again, another thing, like when I was growing up, uh, when I was in grade nine, a friend of yeah. mine came out as gay and I just was not an ally. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, uh, because I was worried about my own survival. Right. hundred percent. And you know, it's something I'm rather ashamed of. And, uh, now I've grown up and I look at homosexuality as it's just two people that love each other. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, why does it matter what they're after? Yeah. Right? I, yeah. And I think there's more value in someone who accepts and stands up for, you know, a person who is different. Because that really shows your, your own courage mm. to not really make it affect your world. Because that's, that just means you're so self-assured. You know, I mean, needless to say, nothing against you. But back then, even... Um, just knowing someone who's gay, like there's that stigma that you could be possibly linked or, you know, called out to be gay. And, and there's that, the more we talk about things, that's why this conversation is so important is the more we can talk about it, the more people actually fully understand that you're just because you touch something, you're not going to turn the same color. Right. Like that's yeah. such an archaic, way of thinking uh and it just so happened back back in that time you know that was the assumption yeah they talk about like i've seen movies and they kind of play to this old uh, stereo or not stereotype but superstition that being gay was like a disease right yeah. and then if somebody touched you you would get the gay like, disease oh my gosh yeah. yeah yeah and and we've come a long way um but then, it, you know, think about in terms of trans, the trans community and how the mm -hmm. public sees them. They've come a long way as well. But 100%. Are, are, is it where it needs to be? Um, no, we're mm -hmm. just at the tipping point. We're just scratching the surface. 
uh, where women like myself are still being murdered and killed. There's still stigma. Um, men are still embarrassed to, you know, fully admit they are or are attracted or want to be with a trans female or trans male, you know. There's still a stigma with dating someone part of the LGBTQ. I feel like when it's going to be, when we can say we're at the point is when gender and sexuality is not going to matter, where we can just like who we like. Mm -hmm. um, in certain situations, like, you know, people who identify as gender nonconforming or bisexuality, like there's still also work to be done with acceptance of, on those um, um, individuals. So until we're all in a safe space where we can just love who we love, we're, there's still a ton of work to be done. Yeah, well, I, I like what you say about safe space. And, uh, you know, I think about, I think about my, my, my daughter, my 10-month-old daughter. Yeah. And I think about, okay, well, what, and in disclosure, they talk about this. What if one day she walked up to me and was like, well, mm -hmm. dad, you know, I'm not a girl, I'm a guy right? Yeah. And it's like, would I, would I love her any different? Yeah. Uh, well, is she any less human? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. And also if you think about it too, if you think about your, your child mm -hmm. going through the thought process and having no one to talk to or bounce off ideas, how yeah. sad would you, that make you feel that they've been wrestling with this yeah, maybe I feel like I failed as a parent, to be completely honest. Yeah, it's like for them to keep it, a, you know, somewhat of a secret and be embarrassed yeah. to bring it up. It's like, why not have the safe space and the platform and just have open communication with your children and kids, you know? And so I think me having been grown up or brought up in a very Catholic household, that also affected the way um my relationship with my parents were and like that open line of communication. Um, yeah. It wasn't as open. Right. And so I think it all stems from the upbringing and how they feel safe and when they can feel safe to say anything. Right. So, and that's such a great point that you, you grew up in this uh, perhaps traditional household. Catholicism was the, the religion and that sort of, shut down these open lines of communication. Yeah. So how can a parent keep these open lines of communication without necessarily giving them ideas? No, yeah. Not that it's about that, but it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard because there are, you know, religion does play a huge factor in mm -hmm. how people raise their kids. But as a parent, I think the biggest thing is just letting your children know that you are there to listen no matter what it is um whenever you're ready that you're there waiting and willing with open arms to just give them a hug and just think it through with them you know um it's very unfortunate it's very unfortunate that there are parents that you know still kick their children out for being like mm. gay or trans or homosexual um and that's where the whole aspect of having a chosen family comes into play, you know, where at that point it's not just blood anymore. It's the water that, you know, you yeah. use as your um, safe space. And so I think it's important to just relay it to your kids and just let them know that you'll be there no matter what. And it's something that you can 
always kind of research together at some point or it's never going to push them to think that they can't come out to you. Yeah. And, and t- tell me what you think about this and, and imagine going back to when you were a nine year old and say, I was to say this to you, but you know, it's this, it's this kind of idea of self-discovery, like, Hey, mm-hmm. no matter what, I'm always here for you. We could talk yeah. about anything. Yeah. Like, is that is instead of saying like, you know, Hey, if you're ever like, or should you say, if you're ever gay, yeah. if you're ever straight, should you just normalize these words? I think it should be normalized in a household. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the conversation should be if at any point you feel any different about who you are I like that. or what you want to be, come to me and we can talk about it because yeah. that simple line will resonate so much because I've never heard, th- heard those words from my parents. Right. So just knowing that there's that possibility at some point where it could come up that your parents or your parent will be okay to have a conversation about it as opposed to them guessing, like, I don't really know how they're going to yeah. react. Yeah. You know, that's, that's solid. And, uh, yeah. And another thing is whether you are being brought up in a Muslim background or hmm. um, a Catholic background or, you know, whatnot, like, if your parents are saying whatever it is you're feeling, we can talk about it and get through it. But your school or your church is telling you you're going to be an abomination, you're going to hell because you're going to be, you know, it's not in the Bible. At least you know that, well, yeah, sure, they're hating on me, but I have my parents that I can kind of turn right. to. Because as someone that grew up in a Catholic background, when all I'm hearing is like, that's against you know, against this, you're going to hell, Dada, you need to repent, blah, blah, blah. That, that alone is enough for me to be traumatized and not want to converse about it or talk about it, you know? That's, that's a really good point because we're looking at daycares right now for, for our daughter. And one of them is in a church and I'm like, you know, how do they discipline these kids? Like, you know, if they act out. And they explain yeah. that because it's like, you're not going to threaten my kid with, if you don't do that, you're going to hell. You don't, because like, yeah. that's, I saw a meme and it's like, you know, threatening your kids with hell is child abuse. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's like so many forms of trauma. Yeah. And like, you know, the way I react to certain things in my life now as an adult stem from being felt like I was rejected mm-hmm. as a child and being told I was wrong, you know? And that, that you carry that and that plays into decision-making or self-respect and the way you see yourself and treat yourself. So, yeah. So, and you mentioned about this uh, feeling rejected, but now mm-hmm. you're, th- you're 30 years old, correct? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about yourself now? Um, self-worth is a constant struggle for a yeah. lot of trans people and in, in, including myself mm-hmm. um knowing that despite having presented presenting myself very trans feminine presenting myself very female and embracing that and having gone through the length of like surgeries to like really feminize my appearance i feel i still feel defeated and less sometimes because i feel it's still not enough for me to be valued or seen as anything um else brought but just as as a trans female you know i think even in the dating scene for me you know i try to date in a heteronormative 
um, world. And it's always going to be an end all do all that my transness can be a detriment to people wanting to date me long term, you know. Um, so it, it's still a struggle. It, it's still re- I still wrestle with my worth as a person. Like, is this all I'm going to be to some people? And it is. At the end of the day, it is. They're just going to see the label and be turned off by it and turn away. But if they understand fully that that label is just a label and then we're at, there's actually something more, which is humanity. We're people. I have so much to offer. Then that's when we know, you know, we're in a safer time, safer period where people are starting to understand you're more than just what you're they're being told and it's, oh, please go ahead sorry, sorry. no nope. and it's it's the same with interracial relationships or mm. the way we see race and color and color you know um the fact that 2020 it's become such a conversation it's so important because if you see color you should really just be seeing people and it's I, I like to hope and think the same with gender and sexuality. At the end of the day, if you're still seeing big capital labels, there's still work to be done because you want to erase those boundaries. Right. And and I think, and again, you know, here, like I said, just you know, this is who I am. I'm a white, straight mm-hmm. male, right? So yeah, I'm not really one to speak on certain things, at yeah. least, you know at this moment in time. Yeah. And, uh, but we have to talk about things like gender. Yeah. We have to talk about things 100%. like race to, to normalize it. But when we, when we fear about talking about these things, because we'd be considered a bigot or whatever, insensitive, yeah. that actually, it's almost like that enables radicalism. Yeah. You know, when you can't have these conversations because yeah. then people are like, well, I'm, you're, you know, yeah, you end up reverting back to what you know or what you're taught. Yeah. And that's where the whole systematic portion of like systematic racism is, systematic bigotry, systematic homophobia. It's already ingrained. And by default, if we don't allow ourselves to open up our minds or open up our environments, we revert back to that blueprint that was set before, before our time, before us, you know. Yeah. And we already know that whatever blueprint we followed was already wrong why yep. why go why go back to it so now we're really you know take the sledge hammer just break it and just like start fresh and create a fresh blueprint here t- tell me what you think about this because i believe in you know in a meritocracy and that means that the best person should do the job right it should be the yeah. best person for the job but the problem with that is that like you said the system there's a, it's already constructed by a certain group that it's just, it's slowly letting people in. Right. Yeah. So in a democracy, it's, you know, ruled by the people and most, you mm-hmm. know, the Canadian democracy was started by white people. So white people got in power and they uh-huh. voted for other white people. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're going back here, Yeah. but if we want it to be a meritocracy, it's like, it, it, that will take a conscious decision. Right. So how do you, how do you think that we, we change that around? Well, first of all, with women's rights and women's bodies and like, you know, pro-life and whatnot, put women in power to dictate their own stuff. That's okay. something you can start with. 
Do you right? know who uh, the president of gynecology is? No. It's some white dude. Of course. It's like, what the fuck? Right? Like, like you know, I, I don't know. That to me, when I saw that, I was like, okay. Yeah. That's kind of strange. So here's another thing. You have transgender roles. Who's the best to depict a trans person? A trans person. Why do you have to get someone to study someone being trans so that they can play the role when you can actually just give them the role because they don't have, you know, they're not being given opportunities anyway. It's well, like, why would, like, why would you cast Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell when there's so many top-notch Asian actors who can play that Asian character? Yeah, I, I was just saying trans <laughs> and race, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's sanitized depiction of it. And, and, yeah. and disclosure talks about that as well. And the thing is, the assumption by a lot of these people in power, mm -hmm. cis, cis hetero, you know, yeah. males, is well, they're not gonna take it in. But that's mm -hmm. them dictating it. They don't know the market because they're not that's not them. Yeah. You know, they're just going by we we're taught in retail, don't shop with your own wallet because you never know what your customer is going to purchase. They could buy however much they want. So don't limit to what you show them based on what your budget is. Right. So, so it's the same with these people trying to run, you know, things that they're not really familiar with. Why would you just assume it's because you don't understand. So consult, get people that understand, and then you can reach a wider audience. So. And, and it's authentic. Like, when you look, yeah, like going back to your example, like there was this movie that came out and it took place in Egypt, but it was all white actors. Yeah. And it was like, come on, like this is ridiculous. It's the same with you watch the early um, versions of Marvel where Black Widow is just hypersexualized mm. and just like all these stupid jokes about her body and like sexual stuff. You look at Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman and all of a sudden, the camera on her is not the male gaze. It's not, she's not sexual. It's more like, look how badass she is and look yeah. how human she is. So just that, just that different lens is so important. So if you watch shows now like Euphoria, where there's a character named Jules, you watch Pose, which is about, you know, the eighties, the ballroom scene with the um, trans characters and people with HIV, mm. you see real, it's more realistic because these are people that understand the plight and the journey and they can, it, it, it evokes a certain true emotion as opposed to someone just faking it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and that, that faking it is because the audience, you know, i.e. me, we mm -hmm. don't know anything. Of, you know what I mean? We don't know about this. Yeah. So we see this and we think, Oh, this is how this community, this culture is. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. same with, you know, being trans when I, when people figure out or I come out or they find out through maybe my social media or someone just so happens to tell them, you know, I won't be angry about that. But that being said, when the initial reaction is, oh, you look so female, or, oh, you, you, I would never know. Mm. That's coming from a place of ignorance of like, oh, I didn't realize as a trans person, you could look just female. Because their understanding of what trans is, is a man in a wig and, you know, an ill-fitting dress. Right. That's the automatic assumption in their brain. 
Right. They don't automatically assume trans female is really, you just look female. It just so happens you were born different as a child, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's what, well, I mean, like, like we've talked about, that's just a stereotype. You know, you meet one person, yeah. well, you've met one person. Yeah. Right. So about that now, again, I don't know enough about this and I'm so thankful you're being open, but when you're going on dates, do you, do you come out as if, like, how does that? So for me, it's safest for me to go dating with like an online app where I can just state it full disclosure. If, if you want to have a conversation then cool, we can talk about it. Uh, but even then, you know, you can still get assholes or still get disrespected just based off ignorance or whatnot. But yeah, my the safest bet for me is just have it out there. And so it's hard when I'm in a very social setting in public where men do, you know, give me attention. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my head, it's immediate fear, right? Because yeah. it's fear that like, well, thanks. I'm flattered that you're approaching me. You want to buy me a drink or you want to see what I'm doing after. However, I'm going to have to come out to you at some point. Right. Or, and then that's another thing I have to wrestle with. When do I tell them? Do I tell them right away and like just feel like it's not even going to happen or flourish? Or do I wait, let them get to know me and then come out? And that's another thing I wrestle with, you know, as a out and proud kind of trans female. Right. At, at what point? Is it a, and it's also a safety thing. One hundred percent. Never know. Like one hundred percent. They could be ignorant and insecure, and the moment yeah. they realize they hit on a trans girl, the inner macho would be like, "Oh hell no! Let me just like take you know bring her down just to you know not yeah. demasculinize myself because I hit on her." So all those things play into part when I'm in a social setting. So I much prefer if I were to date it'd be completely online because it's just safer. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's some control there. I mean, there's definitely much more control. You can yeah. really, we, you can weed out, you know, and really distinguish whether the person is true to wanting to get to know you. If they just want to fetishize you, if they just want to experience something new, like you can gauge and then act upon that as opposed to meeting in person where, you know, it's already hard for cis females to meet someone in the social setting, let them know what their intentions are. But as a trans female, there's another layer under that too. Right. Like, am I going to get murdered? Am I going to get bashed? Am I going to, you know? Why, why has, uh, because on disclosure and uh, they talk about in movies, they associated the trans, you know, trans women with, uh, as sex workers why like where does that come from i think that comes from the awareness that trans people aren't given a lot of opportunity to begin with so the fact that they're already depicting a lot of trans Mm. females as sex workers they're aware that there's an inequality in terms of job opportunities and that's why you know by default what job can i give this trans character that's not gonna make it seem out of the ordinary. But now you see trans women who are models in TV shows or who are just 
assistants or which we are we're literally everyday people I'm selling you know all these women makeup and people come to me for makeup tips and a lot of them don't even know I'm trans and so the reality is we are in all walks of life and if we're going to be depicted on tv they should do the same we're not all sex workers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) well and, and and there's like I don't think about me as like I don't think every day I am a straight you know, male, right? I don't, yeah. I don't think of it's just gender is part of, you know, just who you are. Yeah. And for people who don't know this, like myself, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, is transgender, is that their gender or are they a male or are they a female? And you are a female, right? Yeah. You don't so, see. Yeah. So there's always a argument of when we say trans women are women, we're not trying to say trans women are biological women. We're not idiots. We know the journey that we've gone through. We know the changes in the physicality that we've had to undergo. What we're arguing is we're under the umbrella term of female and women. We're not men. So that's where the trans women and women are women kind of preach argument is. A lot of people will try to bring science into play in biology. Like we know we are born differently. We're freaking aware of that, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hello. Thanks, tips. Yeah. 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 So, like I know I'm I'm never gonna get pregnant. We're aware of that. We know that for a lot of trans women, that's 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 a hard topic because they want to have you know families right. at some point. Um. So, for people to argue science, how do you think we're able to become female? It's because of science. <laughs> so for you to say science is against us, that's why we're living the way we are. It's because science is, is allowing us, right. you know? And who created science? Human beings. So right. here we are, full circle. Like, what's the argument? <laughs> that's a good point. Well, I, it, the only, like, the argument that I'm worried about is, yeah. like, the religious one. Yeah. Right? And how has how has religion um has it changed its views on transgender or is it is it hardlining that um a lot of the times when it comes to religion you hear them kind of going against homosexuality and just not agreeing with homosexual unions and stuff like that um but that's really up to you objectively are you going to believe a movement that doesn't believe in the unity of <laughs> person and a person, that's really up to you. If you believe in something that is going to lessen another person because to put someone else on a pedestal, like that's up to you. But if you're aware, if you actually see it objectively and see that, that it's creating a disparity, then are you even believing in the right thing? That's a good point. Why, well, you know, in religions, they say that God is love they say yeah 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 so you know i mean myself i'm i'm an agnostic i don't know do you have any i like to identify as someone more agnostic i I believe maybe in a power or something Mm -hmm. out there because i grew up catholic that being said i don't align or choose to align myself with anything specific um again that's a choice uh but I think it's best to just keep a really open mind yeah, and a lot and, and not hold anyone down or tie them down. It sucks that 
a lot of the times religion is a driving force with acceptance you know muslim countries and stuff like that like i could get killed there and all that jazz and it it's it's a hard pill to swallow that there are nations that you know brutalize or like even kill people of the lgbt community and i mean it's very backwards but you can't fight against this big you know machine like religion it sucks but yeah and you mentioned how some parts in the world you'll be killed but others um such as uh is it is it indonesia Mm -hmm. they're 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 like it sounds like they're like the forerunners of Helping the trans community. Thailand, excuse me. Th- yeah, Indonesia, I don't think so. Thailand. Polar, polar yeah, opposite. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope, not the right one. Thailand. What, yeah. Why is Thailand like so forward thinking uh, in terms of transgender? I mean, the thing is, in their culture, tra- being trans and the, or the third gender is already so prominent. Did you say, I, did you say third gender? Yeah. So okay. like if, if you think about like India, they have a third gender that's not very widely talked about. I think growing up in the Philippines, trans was embedded in society. It just wasn't deemed acceptable or deemed um, something to be proud of. And now the tides have turned and people are realizing, no, there's actually a lot to be proud about these people, their journeys and, you know, the things they sacrifice and the resilience that they under, like the resilience they gain throughout their journey. Like that's very noble thing to have oh, yeah and so with thailand even now being the first southeast asian country to legalize gay marriage like finally um oh. you know thai people go to thailand for the sex tourism because you know it's the most i guess like openly trans-centric country you know it's a, it's a tourist attraction and and you, you'll find the most beautiful women there so it's it's embedded in their culture and society so it's about time that they finally acknowledge and accept that it's i feel like two ways so it's so late but better late than never um so hopefully a lot of other countries take notice and do the same <laughs> yeah what well, and you mentioned something interesting there about the trigender and then i think mm-hmm. about what what's the difference between gender and sexuality So gender is your, um, the way you see yourself, whether you're male, female, neither, both. Sexuality is sexual attraction. It's what you find attractive, physicality, mentally, in the long term, short term, you know, whether you're heterosexual, purely into the opposite sex or homosexual into the same sex or if you're bisexual into both at different varying levels or if you're pansexual where you're fairly open and a lot of the time sexuality go comes in waves you know you may veer one way as a certain at a certain age and then eventually be more open and I'm finding myself being more open as well as I've gotten older and now that I'm in my 30s you know and I think sexual attraction or sexuality is something that you kind of find and realize with experience but for someone for a man or male hetero heterosexual male to just know they're heterosexually male how do you even know if you haven't even tried any anything else 
you're just, you know, it's like having a placard and ha- like holding on to that mm-hmm. decade after decade. Yeah. Yeah. But have you even tried any other flavors? No. Right. So how would you know? And that's the thing when when it comes to experimenting and knowing sexuality you're not immediately gay because you hook up with a a male you know I know a lot of heterosexual alpha males that I've had conversations with that are attracted to Mick Jagger right 100% yeah yeah and it's like yeah when I was growing up I fooled around my buddy da 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 I'm not gay but now I know I'm not gay because that happened yeah and you know it's I've had my own experience with females and I'm not identifying as homosexual either. I like to say I'm still a heterosexual trans female, meaning I'm transgender, I'm female, and predominantly I'm attracted to, you know, male. Right. Um, But just because I've had my fair share of, you know, experiences with females, I'm not automatically lesbian. (laughs) Right, right. Right. And so there's that fear of kind of dipping and then being labeled. The label only really comes within yourself. Like you label yourself yeah. Yeah. so people can better understand. But if you, if you don't even believe in that, if you just like what you like, there's less pressure to do anything, you know, to be anything else. Well, I, I, I agree with what you say. I mean, really only you should label yourself but yeah. unfortunately society we they love yeah. labeling things right but that's the thing too it's like why are labels so important unless hmm. you're you're dead set on being a procreator procreator you know mm-hmm. having that heterosexual family dynamic of having a dad having a mom by all means identify as hetero marry you know your spouse have children mm-hmm. but allow your offspring to like who they like because just because the way you choose to live your life shouldn't be the way you know they should follow either just the way we give them the opportunity to choose their own path with their careers with what they want you know i think sexuality shouldn't be a driven thing and you'll be you'll live a lot healthier life like when we try to control other people yeah. it's like fuck like you're killing yourself man yeah it's like if you think about all these men who have for decades been you know hammered in you have to be alpha you mm. have to marry you have to have children da, da, da. and then later on in life they realize they've been hiding the side of them that they've never expressed people come out later in life next thing you know it implodes you know so why not just be authentic from the get-go like what you like and then you can really figure out the avenue that you want to end up on less trauma for whoever's involved (laughs) done yeah no i mean like that's just that's the argument right like yeah the danger of repression right violence addiction you know yeah to be who you are is the healthiest thing yeah you can do like toxic masculinity, just mm. knowing and realizing that ex- exists as opposed to like not acknowledging it, that alone is an issue because mm. you're, you're staying rigid. You're staying within the confines of what falsely is expected of you as a male. You know, just break the boundaries and be okay with being a different kind of male, you know, a unique sort of male. That's that's a really good point because uh, 
you know, my dad passed away when I was 14. And mm-hmm. that is like such a brutal age in terms of your development because you think yeah. you got to be something. And yeah. I was completely uh, entrenched in toxic man- masculinity, right? Like there's mm-hmm. this movie that came out around that time. It's called The Punisher. With um, who was in that? Tom Jane. <laughs> Thomas Jane. Yeah. yeah. And he's like a, he's like a this stoic alcoholic and he goes around and he just beats the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And I was like, that's how you deal with your problems. <laughs> yeah. But that is not how you deal with your problems. No. And no. masculinity, like you say, it's like, it's not just, this is what it is. You figure it's out not. what it is. Yeah. And I think it's a very North American thing mm. too. Like if you look at other cultures, like, you know, Japanese or South Korea and K-pop and like the type of men they idolize, you know, it's almost borderline effeminate. Yeah. Like pretty boy effeminate. And that doesn't take away from their masculinity. Right. You know, it's just a variation, but they could be like not jacked up with muscles, but be the sportiest of like sports, you know, it's like, well, you know, where I am today, I'm like, yeah, this is this is awesome because I love musicals. Yeah, uh, I love the Lion King. Yeah, you know, I love cooking, and it's like, hey, like these things that in Western culture were once associated yeah. to you know women or homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like get, I like it. You get to enjoy it exactly, right? Like, and it's like now having a daughter, like you're gonna you can enjoy that oh, with her as you grow up. Yeah, like that's yeah. even more that's even more exciting. Yeah. And I'm going to tell her that I genuinely enjoy this too. So yeah. now what, what is, and, and, you know, I'm looking at the time here, so I got a few more questions, but yeah, what has, sure. what has caused this awakening in sort of consciousness of, hold on, we're going about this the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I think just people realizing that they're missing out on a lot of opportunities, you know, I always wish I started sooner or I acknowledged sooner or I transitioned sooner. Mm-hmm. A lot of gay males I know wish they came out sooner, just acknowledged that they were different. And I think that's one thing. Life is already so short and people are realizing that it's so damn short that why would we not live as a most authentic self earlier on? Why wait till we're on the brink of like disappearing? You know, and, and that's something we've learned decade after decade with losing parents and losing friends and family members and not being, not allowing them to get to know us fully, right? Like, wow. that's something I feel like I wish my dad met me as. I wish he met me as me right now because I feel like we'd be, we'd have the best relationship. Like, you know. Did your dad pass? He, my dad passed in 2011, right before I transitioned, so he, when he passed was when I decided to live as myself, realizing how mm. short life is and how unfortunate it was that my dad never got to know the true me, like me holding back almost like right. that kind of killed me a little bit. So that's why I'm so much more open and so much more, um, there's so much more gusto with me living as a female, you know, right. knowing that he was, he didn't get to know that side of me. So. He didn't get to know that side of you and you want everybody to now know that side of you. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And I think the world is realizing that why are we doing ourselves a disservice when we can just allow people to be who they are earlier on and we all benefit from it. Yeah. 
that's such a, a great point. Like, you know, people are like, oh, the, uh, the gay, you know, the, the gay yeah. parade, the pride, excuse me, the pride parade. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, they're having a good time, man. Like who yeah. cares? The fact that you care is why yeah. they're doing this. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like pride yeah. starts, pride stemmed from, um, people fighting back mm-hmm. pride pride stemmed from um people gathering in the streets and like you know calling people out it, it stemmed from a march and so it's it's so appropriate that 2020 we're back to the roots of why pride was pride you know it wasn't just a party for us to flaunt ourselves it was a protest pride was a protest and is is always going to be a protest you know, and that's why it's embedded in society. And so I think this year, being in the community, it was a conversation with, within the LGBT, like, this is why pride was pride, we're, we're speaking up. It's about us making people realize that we're all in this. Mm-hmm. We demand equality, we demand to be seen. We are not accepting anything less than being seen as equals, because we are. Yeah, well, you're humans. It, we're humans and right. if you think about there's so much layers that we have to undergo to feel that we're on the same wavelength as heteronormative people right like the resilience of the lgbt or people of the lgbt there's so much mental toughness and mental struggle that we have to o- overcome to allow yeah. us to get to where we are and i feel like not every heterosexual person or you know cisgender would be able to handle the shit we've gone through Hell yet no. we're yet we're the ones being kicked down and seen as less like no 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 no. if you knew the shit we had to struggle with you wouldn't survive yeah and so that's where the frustration comes for from our end it's like then that's also privilege of, of us having to look up and see you guys not you guys but see the world perched and looking down it's like mm. no if you only knew the disparity, you know, and that's why it's so important to be, to be seen as equal because my experience is always going to be different from another person's experience, but there's, we're all, we all have different layers, whether it be um, a struggle with our upbringing or sexuality or finding who, out who we are or abuse, you know, we've all had struggles. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, with with this it's like you know you're not changing you're not changing what you're changing who you are and sure some of your parts but you're not becoming a completely different you know you're still a human right and 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 that's the thing it's like people will you'll hear the most absurd hateful mm -hmm. transphobic things if you know people calling us out for being predators whatever but these same people are not, yeah, like there's always that, you know, the whole bathroom conversation is like, you know, me needing to use a men's bathroom because that's my biological sex. Like that's endangering me going, in, you know, into a male bathroom. <laughs> and again, the whole concept of trans people was being pedophiles. Where does that stem from? It's villainizing us trans people. Again, if you look at the, you know, real, the real problem, it's always heterosexual males that predominantly are the people that are pedophiles or get convicted as. Yeah. For the whole trans argument, 
yes, there's a bad seed here and there, but that's not all of us. And, and we're, we keep getting shoved into that um, lane and it's not true. It's a stigma that's being mm. put, put to kind of evoke transphobia. And it's, it's something that needs to be nipped in the bud. Now, one, one uh, sort of last question for you. Actually, two. Pro- I promise you two. <laughs> so this one is uh, like your body is constantly changing. Your brain is, is changing. Yes. And when you're nine yeah. years old, right, is that when's an appropriate time to do some of these uh, operations? I know we always get caught up on yeah. this. But in terms of, you know, you can take medication. Yeah. When is I mean, I... I think surgeries for like anything involving sexual reassignment surgeries or mm-hmm. any gender affirming surgery, I think maybe being legal age, like 16 onwards, I think that's safe. Because at the end of the day, hormones, you can take hormones maybe, I don't know, 12, 13, like that's realistic because you're kind of stunting the body of puberty. Right. Um, but you're not fully altering. Um, so for example, with the discussion of trans women in sports, you know, and when do we allow trans people to compete? Because, Mm. you know, for someone that's developed into a male body and like fully gone through puberty as a male and then transitioned later in life, of course, they're going to have more strength and more, um, you know, whatnot to, and so when they join a sport, it's severely overpowered. So if there if yeah. there were guidelines, you know, if maybe for someone to compete in a certain field, they maybe need to be required to have transitioned when they were a teenager. Right. Then not question their validity in competing with the gender that they're competing with. Yeah. Um, and so I think for that for that equality to happen in sport, we need to allow transitions earlier, but not too early either. Because right there's always the case of just children being so innocent and not really realizing where they are. Yeah. But I got something on this hole and my dog is, uh, is sleeping <laughs> in the background. So can you hear that? <laughs> A little bit. Oh no, sorry. Okay, well, you would say. <laughs> no, it's not good. That's hilarious. Yeah, stores louder than me. Um, Yeah, because that is one thing that, for example, MMA, the sport of of boxing and wrestling, it's like how that to me just seems like a a tough one because I don't speak from my own experiences, but I didn't know who I was when I was nine. When I look yeah. back and from what I recall, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could have, yeah. and that, that speaks to your yeah. tri-gender of there's, there's a, there's man and there's woman and yeah. both in all of us. Right. But that's the thing. It's because we weren't, we were only really told that it's man and woman. We weren't told that we can project and be whoever we want to be. Right. Despite what we were born as. And so if we were given the given the tools and given the opportunity to really understand that how we project ourselves isn't going to be a detriment to us long term, mm. then we would just we would just okay. identify as we are. I, I am a hundred percent behind that. Like I, just for me, Maxie, I gotta say, like the surgery part. And, and, and it's more than that. 
Like I, I identify it's like who you are, but I just feel like kids shouldn't be doing the surgeries until like you say, they're like 18, 19. Yeah. And for me, full disclosure, I, you know, my own surgeries, I've not, I've yet to undergo sexual reassignment. It's not something I want. It's not something I want to go through because I know for a fact that I'm already trans. There's no need for me to fit into a category just to make people around me accept me as female because I can say I'm female. I look female. I feel female and I project that there's no need for me to cut something off or, you know, affect any of that to prove that point because it's not, I'm not showing up. It's not my identification. It's not my driver's license. Do you know what I mean? Uh, So, so it's important for people to also realize just because you're trans, it doesn't mean you need to cut anything off or get anything done. You can just be hormones alone can change you as you're growing up into whatever gender you want to be. So the discussion and the pressure of having to undergo sexual reassignment shouldn't even be a conversation. That's for the trans person to decide at some point in their life, whether they want to undergo it or not. For myself, it's something that I want to, don't want don't want to or don't need to, because again, it's a state of mind. It's yeah. what you your brain says. It's not a matter of you don't need a badge to prove anything to anyone. You know, that is like thank you for that. You know, because he, again, here I am thinking like, well, in order to be a trans person, you have to check all of these boxes. Yeah. And, you know, it is, it, it was an, a requirement for a while for people mm-hmm. to get full surgery to get their sexual mark or their gender marker change on their license. Now that's not the case because not everyone has the means to undergo surgery. Not every place offers surgery. So it's so unfair to expect that of someone trans just for the sake of getting their gender market change. It's a safety thing as well. If my ID every time I handed it out said male, that's putting me in danger. That's putting an alert to people knowing that I'm different, right? So being able to just change it based on what I put out in terms of my appearance and how I identify as, that's that's a safety thing. Yeah, and, and you know what? People are just so wrapped up with the idea that you need to you need an m or an f off. you need an m yeah. or an f on your like who yeah. who who re- like does it really change anybody yeah. at the end of the day you can look at the yeah. picture and be like okay i could kind of yeah. put two and two together and it's it's kind of the same argument with ableism and being disabled and like at what right. point do you yeah. identify as something or as someone who is able and not able you know like, why is there an expectation? We can just treat people normal as they want to be. But there are, then we can always offer, you know, that special treatment should they need it. I, I also do like, uh, well, not, not to add value to it, but I want to talk about <laughs> this. Um, this idea of gender fluidity and, yeah. you know, you might, or someone might identify as a woman now, was once a man identifies yeah. as a woman now but later yeah. in life who knows they might identify exactly. as a man yeah. right and i've i've heard both ends like previous partners of mine feel that you know with 
the whole not like the whole binary and the spectrum it's almost like such a free-for-all and I, I get that sentiment that you can almost be whatever you want but it's not that you can just be whatever you want it's more of like how you identify we're not just going to call you know you can't just be a tree or something that that's taking it to the extreme <laughs> yeah that's but that's the that's the way people are fearing it's gonna end up um but the truth is it's not about that it's more of like what what point do i feel more feminine am i going to project more or evoke more female traits like am i just you know and, and again it's how you want people to see you as that's where gender non-binary or gender non-conforming comes into play is you reject either or and just want to identify as and dress up as whoever you want yeah Right now, um, we're the world has become, or not the world, but rather Canada, where we are mm -hmm. here. It's becoming more tolerant of, you know, we're free to kind of choose our gender, right? Yeah. Why is it that we're able to kind of, you know, discover our gender, but we can't, we can't change, say, our race? Um, because gender come like there's been um studies where it's something to do with the chromosomes in our brain and development in the brain transgenderism if my my skull was cracked open there would be factual evidence that my brain part of it would have developed more female to begin with and that allowed me to veer in that direction if you think about intersex and it's not a conversation a lot of people talk about being intersex a lot of kids are born intersex born with both male and female genitalia and okay, then it's up to, yeah. yeah and it's up to the parents yeah. to decide you know what to knit or wait the I parents guess. decide there what it 100 percent. whoa and and so now that's another conversation and, and they have to decide like you can't just live that way no well the argument now is like let them let them live as they are like what it's the way the fact that we see it as deformity mm. i mean it's different it's a uniqueness but how are you calling someone's gender if they have both like how do you how do you even decide so the fact that the fact that science and reality allows someone to be born with both genders why are we not able to adapt one or the other or reject both right right and so that's where the concepts kind of like all blur um but again it's all about being aware and being open and understanding it fully so that we can have an informed decision and and like respect yeah you know? yeah and 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 it's like it's up to the individual why do Ooh. we have to decide for you know why do we gotta like going back to this yeah. classification thing right and again if your child was born intersex with both male and female genitals do you you know what oh, do you yeah. do do you accept them as they are do you allow it because when they grow up because yeah. they've had both their brain's also going to sure feel way i'm going to be a little bit of everything so if they identify a certain gender you need to be okay with that as a parent, right? But, but I think that there's a little bit of, and I was trying to mention this earlier, there's a little bit of both yeah. in all of us, right? Like, 100%. You know, I have nipples, right? Yeah. Right? Like, you know, there's but, both genders in yeah. every... 
but they're not useful but yeah Yeah, but it's it's salacious if mine are exposed i'll be banned off everything Mm -hmm. and for you it's totally fine you know and again there's the disparity there the fact that it's same parts but because our bodies are sexualized we're not allowed to show it (laughs) yeah fuck so great and that goes all the way back to like you know adam and eve and you know the 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 evil of eve and eating the apple and stuff yeah, but then also stems back scientifically wise to like testosterone, estrogen, right. the way brain thinks. My brain is so different now that I have estrogen pumped into me for years. The way I think about, you know, situations, it's so much more different than huh. if I, when I was male with predominant testosterone flowing through my veins, you know. Yeah. You do think differently. There is a difference with the hormones that are in our bodies. And so men do think a certain way because of testosterone, you know, that's why behavioral differences with homosexual men and homosexual females are also very different. That's why lesbians tend to be more conversational. It's more mental stuff. And then with gay culture, it's very sex oriented, you know, because testosterone, you know, there's such a disparity again with the differences in in hormones. So, yeah. It's crazy that it all plays a part, but that's why we're able to justify being trans because, again, science is what allows us to be who we are. So that's all you really need. <laughs> this is who I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you if you don't like it, right? Now, my last question for you is, uh, as you know, I have, I have a 10-month-old, and let me tell you, Maxie, it's like the best thing in the world. Like, Congratulations. It's just, yeah. So would you... Would you ever consider having a family? I mean, yes, but that depends on if I have a loving partner, you know, what Mm -hmm. my situation is. I think realistically, we need to think about bringing children into the world and whether it's the right for us and for them, because a lot of the things we go through as adults, again, is off of how we grew up, trauma, our upbringing, And if I know I can give a child a good, safe, you know, intro to the world, for sure. But if I'm just bringing them into a very difficult time, I'm doing them a disservice. And I wouldn't want this, you know, person to grow up to be someone who I wouldn't be proud of or someone who would hate someone like me. Right. Wouldn't that be the worst, you know? So I think, you know, in my cards biologically clearly it wasn't in in my favor right Um, so the way I see it if I wanted to bring you know there's so many other kids in the world that need homes or families there's always adoption that's something I would definitely if anything think about but I think we all have our own narratives and right now my narrative is just like spread my, my, my experience and whatnot. And if at some point I reach a point, yeah, I'll be open to it. Right on. Well, you, well, you could be a niece to my daughter. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd be the coolest aunt ever. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You got to meet it. That's so cute. 10 yeah. months. <laughs> yeah. It's uh like I said, it's a game changer. It, you know, you, and I yeah. look at her sometimes and I'm like, what kind of a world am I bringing her up in? Right. But yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is a great direction too with 
um, your circle and you being able to, you know, voice out this topic, I think it's going to impact at least, you know, one person. And that's all you really need to get the wheels turning. Well, I, I, I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity, Maxie, because, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable and you're being, you know, you're, you're able to talk about these things. So thank you so much. No, thank you for giving me the platform and allowing me to share. And yeah, thank you for letting your mind be open and yeah, hopefully you can use my story and whatnot with your everyday life with your kids and your counseling and all that jazz. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you meet them, you'll, you know, you'll be able to tell them yourself, right? (laughs) True, 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 true. Well, like I said, thank you so much. And I hope that we can do this again. For sure. Okay. Thank you. Of course. All right. So I'm just,